1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hello, friends, and welcome to the 20th episode of Rev Recovery, a podcast for folks who are leaving ministry, considering leaving ministry, know someone who's leaving ministry, have ever thought about ministry, people who just showed up and accidentally clicked on this. We are so glad that you're here. I'm Sarah Heath, and this is my co-host. Justin Gentry. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us for for 20 episodes. 20, 20. I think about like, this is so... Just to give you guys a, a little bit of an idea, this will be the final episode in our season. So we're going to go 20 episodes per season. Why? I don't know. We just decided. Uh, we're going to take a little break. We've got some amazing interviews coming up, so we'll be recording those. But friends, it's hard to believe where we were when we started working on this show together. So I was in Oregon working on my Airstream. You had an entirely different job. Yes, I did. Absolutely. You did. were in your 30s. I was in my 30s. I'm, I am no longer in my 30s. Guys, his birthday was yesterday. It hasn't really been that long. I am, I am old and wizened. Yeah, now. you definitely are wiser as of today. Yes. So we are glad that we are doing this episode today and not yesterday because now we have wiser Justin. So friends, we thought for this the 20th episode, we chatted with folks in the Patreon and just like what are, and by the way, the Patreon Discord community called Rev Recovery Room. So you join the Patreon, and then you're given a link to become part of the Discord channel. Channel? What is it called? It's like a channel. It is. A, it's technically it's called a server. So server. it's a Discord server, Gamer. and there Got are multiple it. channels. But I think right. Discord community sounds better. Less less cyberpunk, you know. Less less gamer. Yeah, less gamer. I so. mean, I would like to be a gamer, but I am not skilled enough to be. Well, now that we have a Discord, we could also get a Twitch, and then we could live stream you not being good at video games. Is Twitch a video game thing? Yeah, it is. Oh, I know nothing, guys. It's okay. You don't have to know anything. In the words of my other co-host, Kevin, hello, old. Yeah, I just, I don't have, I'm good at Instagram, maybe, kind of. You are. I much have better, Much better than I am, for sure. Well, you're really good at TikTok, so anyway, friends. I, 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 I am, I am so much younger. I'm part of a young uh. <laughs> yeah you're so you're part of a different generation than me yes. <laughs> guys i'm only like i'm 41 so i'm only a year older than justin i just turned 41 so actually don't worry about it no not part of this so we asked our community in the discord uh the rev recovery room like what is the thing that you want to hear about and so justin and i have been chatting a little bit about that before we recorded this like what is the thing that kind of as we get ready to take a couple weeks off it's not going to be a lot but a couple weeks off what are the, what's the thing that keeps coming up. And so we've got kind of two topics. The first is this idea of like, how do I deal with the feelings I have about who I used to be? Do you want to go into a little bit more about that, Justin? Yeah, I think uh, this has come up. It's come up for me personally. And I think it's probably everyone that's been in ministry, particularly if you've been in ministry for a while, or if you've been in ministry in 
even particularly more conservative evangelical spaces. You know, when I first started, I came out of a very conservative evangelical childhood, very conservative evangelical college, in a very conservative evangelical church. And I shudder now at some of the things I said mm. and the things I taught and the things that I did. I, it, it, that just in that in and of itself is, is difficult for me. And even as I began to push against that, as I began to grow, my participation in that system still bothers me a little bit in some ways. And as you begin to get a little more perspective and you realize maybe some of the damage that you did, you know, how do you reconcile that? Or even if you didn't do damage, I think, you know, Sarah and I joke about like, well, you know, we didn't, we didn't start ministry to make money. So you realize, but you realize like, okay, now I'm in my forties, but my financial life, my relationships, you know, a lot of that was determined by this 20 year old kid a long time ago that I am now having to pick up the pieces from. And how do you have compassion and empathy for who you were? I think we can, we can have as if you're a good pastor or if you're a good human, really, you can have <laughs> compassion and empathy for other people, right. but I think it is much harder to have that empathy for yourself and to forgive yourself and to look at that person that you were with a certain amount of kindness and compassion and not self-loathing or hatred or even sadness at the system that created that person, you know, because that's, that is who you were. And reconciling that is a very, it's a difficult thing. But I also think for anyone that is now getting out of ministry, that's something you're, if you haven't faced it yet, there will probably be some night somewhere where a former version of you comes and visits and you're going to have to figure out how to deal with them. Like the Christmas Eve thing, like the ghosts it, it of is, Sarah the, past. The ghosts of Justin's past. Yeah. Uh, I've been visited by past me and yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I think about how many people I know that just have a visceral reaction to certain things. And what I realize is often those visceral reactions to like, I can't believe these people said this or do this. And I, I often think, uh, I don't often say it, but I often think, oh, that must have been how you were. And so you're almost like kind of reacting to who you used to be. You know, I recently mentioned on my on my Instagram about just the joy that I've had in my life because of the LGBTQIA community really allowing me to be an ally and caring for me in this really wonderful way. But I wanted to, on the eve of Pride Month, I wanted to really say like, I wasn't always capable of being this person or I wasn't always an ally and really kind of almost in a confession sense because I think it's helpful for people to know that people change. I grew up in a very, you know, open family, very, <laughs> my parents are very affirming. Um, and yet I believed a lot of the evangelical stuff about purity culture. I believe the evangelical stuff about, you know, I used to say that, or I used to like, like, honestly be like, oh yeah, being gay is like, <laughs> it's like being an alcoholic. Like you're born with the genetics for it. Cause I knew because my family, or I was taught in my family that being, you know, being queer at all was, was something that you were born with. So I already, I think I thought that was true. It's not like I was walking around not thinking that was true, but then I thought it was somehow like, but you can choose not to say, it was the weirdest argument, except it was the argument that apologetics were giving to us. And so I, I wanted to confess that, but I also wanted to have empathy for folks who have been there, 
Because I think so often, particularly in our culture, the thing that's missing, I think, is empathy. Empathy for who people are, empathy for the potential of change. I think there's so often that people want to say, this person is this, and so cancel them. That's it. And I, this is not about cancel culture, guys, don't worry. But it is about like, how can we allow people to change, including ourselves? How do we make space for that? And then how do we react to it? I think it just going off just for myself, it, that was one of the hardest things to do. Uh, you know, I think I, I, I can have empathy for you know, people that said some pretty awful things to me because I was LGBTQ affirming. I was accused several times of like being a closeted gay man because, which is fine. I, I'm, that's not like insulting to me, whatever. But because they were, they were like, well, there's no way you would advocate for LGBTQ people unless you were LGBTQ. <laughs> I, yeah. And like, well, no, I'm not. I mean, I, y'all straight people make me want to be. Like yeah, that version you, of straight. Yeah. yeah, that version of straight makes me whatever you are. I don't want to be that, you know. So, but I can have empathy for them in some ways because, it's like, okay, I understand the system you're in. I understand the information you've been given, and while it is harmful, and I will call that out, I can also kind of hold them with a certain amount of. It's not pity. That's the wrong way to. And maybe I'm not thinking of the right word, but a certain amount of. I understand why you're saying this. It's right. it's awful and it's wrong, but I can understand it. When I turn that lens to myself, though, there is much more like it's it's harder because I said those things too a lot much longer ago. But I said those things too. I was not always the I was not always an ally for sure. I definitely had you know taught things to students that I'm sure probably actually I know some of them ended up being LGBTQ. I and like I, I shudder to think what I said, but I also I also have to go like that was a kid. That, yeah, that was a kid was repeating what he had been taught and had only met maybe one or two openly gay people in their life at that point. And so I, I have to then say, okay, like this is this, I did that. Um, I have to own that, but I also have to go, I was doing the best I could with the information that I had. And unfortunately it probably hurt people. I could be someone's villain. Like there could, there might be a deconstruction story out there of like, I had this terrible youth pastor. He was so backwards and, but he was my catalyst for deconstructing and becoming a better human. And I have to accept my role as the villain in their story, you know? Yeah. And that that's hard and unsettling in some ways, but it's also, I, I have to learn how to accept all the facets of myself. Uh, including the ones that I don't like or the ones that maybe have caused harm. Because I don't think we grow if we don't. Yeah, I think back to when I was going through a really difficult end of a relationship. Guy that I was getting married to, it didn't work out. And I was in therapy trying to work through a lot of that. And what I realized, the theology that I had was that I had broken someone's heart when I was in grad school. I kind of broke my own heart in that situation too. And he was like my best friend and just my in some ways, just my absolute soulmate, but I just wasn't ready to be married. And I, with this therapist, we were sort of unraveling everything that was sort of tied together. So my faith, my ministry, relationship, all these things were sort of tied together. And what she said to me, which was fascinating, she said, so you think God is punishing you because you hurt somebody's feelings when you were 24. And I said, wow, like when you say it that way, right? Like at that time I was in my early thirties, I was like, that sounds crazy. 
But yes, that's absolutely what I believe. And so she invited me to say, could you forgive Sarah? Could you forgive 24-year-old Sarah? And I know a lot of us have done that therapy where you go back and talk to younger you. And I said, you know, I don't know if I can. But like, I started thinking about it and I was like, she said, I think Sarah made the choices, made the choices that she made with the information that she had and she did the best that she could. So why don't you give her a break? And I remember thinking that was like, woo-woo weirdness. Like, what does this have to do with that? But I was driving home just thinking about, wow, I really did do the best with what I had. I had no idea, no way of looking into the future, no way of knowing where my life would go. And then, then I thought about like kind of the shitty theology I had that thought God was like, oh, wow, a choice that you made at 24 means that your love life is going to be terrible all through your life. And the the words I kept thinking were like, I deserve it. And so for me to open myself up to empathy to young Sarah, who was just doing the best she could, was profound. And I've tried to like maintain that um, in so many ways. But I will say like places where I really feel like I actually hurt people. I think the importance is like actually going for restoration. So that means like saying to them, hey, if you're able to, if you're still in a relationship with them, like, hey, I realize I whatever. Um, I think that's been really helpful as well. But giving yourself like, did you do the best that you could under the circumstances that you were in? And not like, I'm not saying you have to justify everything, but just to actually look inward. And even if that's like a week long of asking yourself that every morning, like, all right, I'm going to sit here on a mat and ask myself, can I forgive younger me? Because some of the, some of the folks in our discord were like, I can't, I don't know how to get over who I used to be. I think, and this is going to be sound woo woo weird, but this is what has helped me. Sometimes I literally just have a conversation yeah. with younger me because you're already having a conversation. Like that's the thing. Like if you're feeling guilt or you're feeing anger at your right. younger self, you're already, you're spending, already, time having, with your you're already self. spending yeah. that time. Let's just formalize it for a second. So like, while on the one hand, it does sound woo weird on the other time, on the other hand, it's like, you're already doing it. If you're angry, if you're guilty, if you're chewing on it in your head, you're having that conversation, at least on a subconscious level. So let's make it conscious. And sitting down and going, okay, 20, 22-year-old Justin, hi, I'm you in the future. You're just a ball of nerves, aren't you? Yeah, you're just, <laughs> you know, like, oh, man. And and in some ways, I'm able to see now because I'll see these kids coming out of, you know, Bible college or whatever, all full of zeal. And I can look at them and go, like, I was you. I was you. And it's less triggering, honestly, because it's easy then to be, like, angry at them. Like I, I got a Facebook invite from kid. He's a kid raising money to go on a missions trip to, I don't know, Zambia or something. And I'm like, Oh, so many things are problematic about this. You know, like they're just like reading the letter. I was like, mm, mm, mm. and it would be easy for me to be like, ha, ah, this is ridiculous, stupid kid. But I also have to go like, I was that kid. And then have that moment of like, okay, I'm angry at this kid, but I think I'm really more angry at me. So let's talk about that and let's sit with that for a second. And I can just tell him, no, thank you. Right. Like, and will he do some problematic things? Maybe, you know, if I went, got in his face and told him what I really thought, would that change his mind? Probably not. And so, yeah, I think we just have to have a certain amount of, I mean, certainly confront things when you have the relationship bandwidth to do so. This is a person I didn't know very well. And so 
but I think that that paying attention to that random anger that comes up at evangelicals or whatever and realize maybe, yeah, this was actually me. And let me sit with that 23 year old and let me look them in the eye and let me have kindness and compassion for them because they became you and you're awesome now. So they were doing something right. They just, they just weren't, they just didn't have all the pieces yet. Well, and I think it's hopeful for me too to think like, oh, this is just this Sarah right now in her at 41. It's just, is Sarah at 41? Like hopefully Sarah at 60 will be different. And I think we, within um, frameworks where we were taught that like right belief, like once you reach that, there is no change. And so then you're in right belief. It makes sense. So it's like this static idea of belief. And, and that's just really not the way I want to be. It's not the way, you know, I was reading actually this beautiful thing uh, my friend wrote about finding love recently in her forties and just how like, I didn't know you in your, before we were 40, but I know you now. And like, what is our life going to look like past this? And it was interesting. I had this really interesting reaction to reading that where there was just this like sense of hope. It's just like, oh yeah, I don't know all the pieces. And I think the problem with getting angry at younger self is the idea that younger self knew all the pieces, right? Like uh, you didn't. And again, this is not like, obviously like where if you were blatantly racist, if you were LGBTQI terrible, if you were all these things, there are people that you need to probably seek forgiveness from. Or, you know, I think maybe forgive yourself. And what does that look like? Even writing a letter to yourself. And I know that may seem really weird. I just love that you and I are like Midwest enough that we're like, we know this is woo-woo, but we also know it works. <laughs> Bear <laughs> um, with us, guys. Guys, it's okay. Also, like, this is a totally different Justin, and we need to admit that Justin floated in a tank yesterday, so I we did. don't even know this Justin yet. Like, this Justin is just new skin, new birth. I was decanted yesterday, and... Yeah. I can't imagine. I decanted. <laughs> All I can think of when everyone tells me about these float tanks, honestly, so he did a float tank for his birthday. All I can think about is 11 from <laughs> Stranger Things. Yeah. Like, that's what I picture happens in a blood tank. I, I, this is totally a segue, but, you know, we're, we're ADHD. both ADHD, and Welcome. you're going to have to deal with it. It does feel a little bit like being born. Like, you feel like a little calf coming out of there because you're... Cause you're Are you nimbly bimbly? Yeah, because you your your body, like, complete, after an hour in this jet black... Like, I couldn't even tell if my eyes were opened or closed... And that actually weirded me out because I was like, are my eyes opened or closed? I can't tell. And <laughs> well, you get out of there and you're so relaxed. You're like, oh, I don't know if I remember how to walk, but I got to get over to the shower to like clean all this salt off. And you're um, driving home. Yeah, they actually do recommend they have like a, they have like a little, like little lounge area. They're like, you need to just chill here, drink some tea. Here's some, you know, oxygen from the oxygen bar or whatever, which is, that is the dumbest thing to call a, an oxygen mask is an oxygen bar. I'm sorry, but whatever, because they're like, yeah, you're kind of like a Bambi. They made you sign something that said you're not going to operate heavy machinery afterwards. You know, I think it would be super fascinating to do it. And in a weird way, this really, it's not that much of a segue because I think it is this like new self doesn't let go of old self. It's a transcendent include. And anytime you see anyone fundamental on either side, it's because they weren't able to transcend nor include. Mm -hmm. So folks who are super angry on either side of the pendulum, 
It's because they aren't able to see themselves in the other. And that's what empathy really is, right? It's the ability to see ourselves in the other. And I think about, can I see myself in younger Sarah? Yeah. Was younger Sarah doing the best she could as an Enneagram ADHD three? Just trying. Just somebody love her. Just somebody love her. She was just trying so hard. And I have compassion for her. And when I see her in other people, I notice that it bothers me. And it bothers me from almost the standpoint, I think parent, I'm not a parent, but when you're parenting and your kid does something, you're like, oh, I know where that's going. Don't do that. But you also know it's important for them to go through that for themselves. I think it's just if we can just take a breath, allow ourselves to be born again, (laughs) if you will, (laughs) and again and again and again, and experience new things and be open to both who you were and like almost befriend your former self. I think it's the only way to get out of it, not not angry. Yeah. And I think parenting is a, is a, is an apt metaphor, you know, in therapy, they call it reparenting yourself. And that is mentally going back. And what would a good parent say to this kid? You know, because I I do think that there is a certain amount of self-hatred, like, like it's not hatred of the self as it is today. Right. But it's hatred of the self as it was. And, and that is not going to, that, that will get you through a little bit. And I do think sometimes it does get you through, you know, I, I, and and that's, that's part of the journey too. Like I, when I was first deconstructing, I was terrible to people as well. I was also problematic just on the other end. So, but I think it is the, okay, confronting that self-loathing in yourself to be like, I was that person. I did those things too. And what's the lesson in it? You know, what did I, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, like you said, I was that person. That is me. What can I learn from that? And even if it's, there's nothing to learn, you can still hold that person as a good parent to say, like, I still love that person. I know what that person's journey is now. I see their trajectory because their trajectory was me. And I, I can love that about them. But they were maybe asking the questions, but they couldn't quite figure it out yet. You know, and, and I can go back and see my struggles, even as the fundamentalist 23-year-old. I can still see the like the cracks and I can see, you know, that there were things I was pushing up against and there were things that I was beginning to question and, and oh man, to go back to that, you know, like to be the, this first oh, moments gosh. of like awakening and awareness and to have compassion for that person and be like, oh man, that was terrible because you began to realize what was wrong, but you didn't have the tools to go the next step. And then a couple of years later, you got the tools. And that's so good. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth. And this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. I think about myself always feeling like an outsider. That's some of the processing I've been doing with uh, the coach I work with, actually. is like, I never felt like I fit in, never felt like I fit in in the evangelical space, never felt like I fit in the American space. And then once we lived here long enough, didn't feel like I fit in in the Canadian space, like just all these places where it makes sense that I was trying desperately to believe the 
things that everyone around me was believing because I was just trying desperately to fit in and, and knowing that I couldn't, knowing that that wasn't who I was, you know, as an intelligent female, like trying to be in evangelical spaces where like getting married was the thing and everyone was trying to do that and feeling like what's wrong with me that that's not my story, nor is that like my biggest goal in life. I think there's, there's just so much that I wish I could just like give myself permission to say, oh man, that was painful. And it does get better and it does get different. And you were just trying your best. You know, Brene Brown often says like, what if we just believe people are trying their best and we understand that they're not always trying their best. But if we come at it from that perspective, wow, you know, uh, I am really close to my beloved aunt and we had like a two hour conversation. So my aunt is 14 years younger than my, than my mom. So she's only like 15 years older than me. So it's kind of neat, right? Like she's in my age bracket in some ways. And we just giggle and laugh and talk. And we were talking about family stuff and all this sort of stuff. And what I love about what she helps me process is that she really helps me see like, what if people are just doing their best? And what, what harm does it do us to believe like, even though we might know they're not doing their best sometimes, like it only harms us to go, man, I wish they would do it better because it's almost like an accepting what it is. Now, this is different for injustices, friends. Don't just stick in injustices. We're not saying that, but sort of allowing people to be where they are in whatever process it might be and allow, allow ourselves to think, man, I was just doing my best then. And if this person's acting like I used to back then, they're just doing their best as well. Mm-hmm. Part yeah. Of the- yeah, this isn't dismissing active harm. No, no, not at all. This is this is like, you know, you're talking with someone and they're talking about like the gay lifestyle and you can like, oh, okay, let's. And I think it opens you up to be in relationship with that person. If you can sit down and go, you know what? I thought similarly. Yeah. I would love to share with you kind of like because that's like a shared narrative. And my friends who are part of the community, they never could get a chance to do that. Right. So for me to be able to sit down with that person and go, look. My friends are not capable of being bridge builders. They're just not, and they shouldn't have to. They shouldn't have to carry that weight. So what can I do as someone who's been there? It's almost like a way of kind of tapping into, okay, you know what? I I used to say those things too. And I think people hear you differently when they know that you have shifted from where they are. Now, sometimes they'll be like relativism and you're like, all right, Um, you know, that's not a dirty word to me. There are certain like, there are certain like, not, they're not red flags, those movies, but there's certain words that people will say that are like, okay, I know what I, I know who I'm dealing with here. Yeah. When they describe yeah. everything as a lifestyle, when they describe yes. everything as like, well, it's more relativism. Like, okay, all right, I know what I know what I'm dealing with because I've been there. Right. And and there is there is a no one is going to be able to speak to who you used to be like you can. And but that's really only after you've done the work to be able to hold that person with compassion. And I think the, if you can get over that and if you can begin to do that, then I think being that bridge builder to people that are currently problematic is actually going to be something that you can do. Cause I mean, we can yell at each other and shout at each other. And honestly, there is a certain amount of wisdom and like some people were going to just kind of drag along, but that's not everybody. No. You know, the, the furry Ben Shapiro's of the world. Yeah. We're going to have to drag them along, but there are, a lot of other people in your circle that you have relationship with that I think you probably have more influence on than you think you do. If you can hold them with that empathy and lightness and curiosity. Curiosity is a word that you and I come back to all the time. So even if you think you know someone and where they're at, I think getting curious is really, 
I mean, maybe that Jesus guy had something, you know, that whole questioning things all the time instead of just like saying this is what it is. I mean, it would have been super annoying to hang out with, if we're honest. Like, who do you say that I am? But um, I think there is. Jesus and Socrates would be not fun terrible, to be especially like if you were trying to go to lunch. Oh, yeah. awful. But they lunch? think. Why do we eat yeah, right. this meal? What, just, what is. No, I just. Where do we. Am I from? the bread of life? Just I'm just hungry is where like, like, can we pull this chariot over? Um, <laughs> I think there's just so much to be said about this idea of being curious, because as much as I thought I knew. And continue to sometimes think I know where I've landed. I don't think I, I think I'm still, I think I'm still flying. And sometimes that's really disorienting, friends. Like it's really disorienting to recognize that, oh, I've changed and I'm continuing to change. I wish that things were black and white sometimes, but I don't think they are. And so kind of making friends with both my current self and my past self and asking, okay, what's next? And how can I be present to that? So it's just this, you know, you and I, it always seems to come back to being really present to where you are right now. So both forgiving the past self and then really kind of being present to what is. I think, and just to be practical, I think therapy is certainly helpful here. Everyone. With a, with a trained professional person. And, and I do think just, yeah, doing random weird exercises when you feel the need to do so. Like what Sarah had mentioned about writing yourself a letter, making amends if you're still in relationship with people that maybe you were problematic towards. I wouldn't recommend calling people up that you haven't talked no. to in 10 years. No, you and you saying, hey, sorry they've about the terrible on, stuff probably. I said. Yeah. yeah, they've, you know, but, you know, yeah, doing those, you know, morning pages to sit down and go like, okay, let's, let's write this out. Let me invite, you know, 20 year old Justin to I'll invite him to coffee, you know, (laughs) (laughs) go to coffee with yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Go to coffee with yourself and, and just sit and go, okay, like, how can I, how can I reparent this person and, and view them with my present eyes? And again, it sounds super woo woo and it is woo woo. It's weird. It, It feels weird. It feels a weird thing to do, but I'm, I'm starting to realize that just being a human is a weird thing. And I think like, like, Ponder existence for a second. It's weird. It's weird that we're even here. And so. Justin and I had the realization that we've never met in real life the other day. Yeah. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind. Like, oh, I I am really good friends with this person. I've never actually met. Here's someone I talk to almost every day. (laughs) I've never actually met them. Yeah. I don't know how tall Sarah is. She could be taller than me. I'm tiny. Okay. Not taller than me. But you could have been and I wouldn't have been. (laughs) <laughs> I am tiny. I'm like a little bitty person. And sometimes Aww. that shocks people. It's a shock to me. I can't <laughs> even imagine. <laughs> I uh, I used to wear heels all the time. And my college boyfriend one day came into my dorm room and I wasn't wearing tall shoes. And he was like, have you always been this small? <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> the entire time. I'm five foot four and I am not nice. very big. <laughs> nice. So I, I think those are important steps to take. And, and just, yeah. And just I'm laughing at yourself. Like existence is weird. Like, and we're only the thoughts one you of had are weird, of, but they're know? just thoughts. So that is our that is our advice: empathy and curiosity. So the next thing we're going to talk about before we close out this the twentieth episode whoa, 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 is this idea of because it keeps coming up. So if we're talking about friends with ourselves, we're also talking about friends out. Like, so even my coaching folks, I'm coaching. This it keeps coming up. If they have left a career, how do they? How do they like understand friend versus colleague? 
And even more than that, colleague versus client. So if you are someone who is transitioning in the ministry space, even if you're like consulting churches or whatever it might be, people might continue to treat you like a friend when they never were a friend, they were a colleague. But now the weirder thing is they have become a client. So last week, literally every client I was working with was having this conversation and it continues from the conversation we had the other day. So along the lines of this woo-woo idea, I wanted to offer out, because again, it's come up a couple of times on our Discord, a practice that I have done that is really helpful and again, will feel a little weird is I have written down, what are the characteristics of my friends? And you might think, well, friends are easy. Friends, this, this, no friends, like write down like a friend does this, a friend does this. What does a colleague do? What does a client do? And then this is the super secret sauce here, friends. Start writing down people who fall in those categories. Now hide this. This is like a Rachel and Ross moment where this could get you in a lot of trouble. Hide this. <laughs> I, don't I got know. that reference. Right. Sorry. I know old or write it like a write it in code, whatever you need to do that other people won't figure it out, but write down. And if, if you're lacking in friends, if you like write things down and you realize the things that make a friend aren't things that you have, then I think it is time for us to talk about how do you actively find friends, which go back and listen to the episode about, you know, doing things that are with affinity and things you like to do. And that's where you find your humans beyond belief. So yeah, I just wanted to throw that in because I know that kept coming up again. Yeah, and, and that's a good practice because it also helps you define what you think a friend is. You know, and there are probably people that are like, yeah, we're good friends. But you're like, mm, I don't think we are. And so, that's yeah, the okay word I would too. say that most pastors or former pastors or those of you who have been volunteers or those of you who have worked in helping professions have a really tough time with is mutuality. Are you capable of being mutually vulnerable? Yeah. And and I think that we are trained to be vulnerable with people way too early and and it's it comes from a good place. It comes from wanting to be honest. It comes from a place of wanting to be, you know, transparent. But I complete honesty and full disclosure are not the same thing. And learning the difference is important. You don't have to tell everyone everything. And you can still be honest with them. Like, that's okay. Well, and I would say we were taught to be, like, super open with people, but at a surface level where you're still controlling the narrative. So who are the people that you don't need to control the narrative with? Because you're not worried about how they'll receive it, what it will do. And I think about this because honestly, I have had people who I have worked with or who I realize really thought of me as like a best friend or a close friend. And I'm like, oh, no, like we're not actually friends because I wouldn't call you when, you know, I get a bad test result in medical stuff or, you know, it's, it's literally think through those things that specifically. Who are the people that you, you know, you, we all know that when you get a certain, when you get good news and there are certain people you're just like immediately want to tell, those are your actual friends. Uh, you get bad news. Those are certain people that you immediately want to tell, not because they are like, not because they know necessarily the field that you're talking about, but because those are your people. And if you can't find those, it's time to find those. And I think that's really important beyond marriage. Beyond, you know, you have to have a community beyond just what's right around you. Anything else you want to add to being a friend to old self or being a friend to or figuring out who your actual friends are? <laughs> no, that's I I think that's very good. I think that it's it's a good, it's a good practice for sure. Yeah. So friends, we have come to the end 
of another episode of Recovery. I I'm gonna do a bit of a spoiler, and I didn't ask you if I could do this, guys. We are interviewing some big people in this genre next season. Yeah, yeah. like Naked Pastors, one of them, Brian McLaren. I mean, people that like legitimately i don't understand why they want to talk to us but i think it's great i'm excited about it so stick around please listen to the former episodes guys if you would like and subscribe that means the world to us it really does we have one star a one one star review so we just need to like we bump a lot that of five up stars a lot of five stars a lot of five stars just to get rid of that one we are only accepting five star reviews at this time <laughs> unless you're giving us creative criticism like Creative criticism is what I wanted. Constructive criticism. Although if it's creative, I would take that as well. You can do that via Instagram or email, but do not deduct stars for that. No, because then we get we get bumped down in our yeah. listenership. Yeah. All jokes aside, thank you for sharing our podcast with people. I think it's almost daily that I hear that someone has shared an episode with someone who needed to hear it. So that means a lot because sometimes we're just over here thinking, is this helping anyone? So... Thank you for that. Thank you for reaching out to us. Continue to do so. We are going to be doing a lot more social media content and things like that. We are rolling into this next season. So if you want to join our Patreon, again, we will continue to be in the Discord channel. So we aren't disappearing. We're just uh, taking some time off to load up for next season. Anything else before we... We're going to read a poem together, guys. Get yeah. excited. This is going to be some liturgy going on here. Ooh, um, is it? Very Maybe. I, it yeah. reminds me of liturgy, like reading aloud okay. well, in response together together so we're gonna go sentence for sentence yeah That's, that sounds good to me no one is surprised we are closing out the season with my favorite poet yes. john o'donohue and this is his poem slash blessing on friendship and as we bid you adieu for a couple of weeks we wanted to leave you with this yes so go ahead justin may you be blessed with good friends May you learn to be good friends to yourself. May you be able to journey to that place in your soul where there is great love, warmth, feeling, and forgiveness. May this change you. May it transfigure that which is negative, distant, or cold in you. May you be brought into the real passion, kinship, and affinity of belonging. May you treasure your friends. May you be good to them, and may you be there for them. May they bring you all the blessing, challenges, truth, and all the light that you need for your journey. May you never be isolated. And may you always be in the gentle nest of belonging with your Anam Kara. Friends, thank you so much for being part of the first season of Rebecca. Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. 
You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.